0: This is a podcast of conversations about connection, change and creativity. And today we're joined by Caroline Chang. Born in Melbourne to mainland Chinese parents, Caroline spent her early childhood bouncing back and forth between her biological parents and her foster family. Caroline believes that it is her complex upbringing and challenging teen years that led her to doing the inner work and spiritual healing it took to shape her into the incredible person she is today. Caroline is the creator of Appalachia a company that focuses on promoting healing and bringing back balance into the body through apple cider vinegar. I'm so grateful to have Caroline on the podcast today. Welcome.
1: Wow, Tiger. Thank you so much for having me on board. And what an incredible introduction.
0: I couldn't have done it any better. So thank you for that. Thank you for sending through a little bio because um, (laughs) it's funny. It's interesting timing because we had originally discussed doing this maybe in Jan 2019 and it took us a little while to get here and every time I speak to you I learn a little bit more about you and your interesting story and I'm so excited to be able to put this out there and get your message out there. So I guess for those who haven't heard your incredible journeys can you give us a little bit of a background?
1: Yeah, um, with absolute pleasure. Uh, So as you said, I was born to uh, mainland Chinese parents who came to Australia in the early 80s to escape the teeter end of the Cultural Revolution happening in China. Uh, So we grew up in Carlton. They were very poor. So we lived in a two bedroom housing commission flat, sharing with another Vietnamese family. So you can imagine how quashed up we were. Both my parents were um, serious gambling poker machine addicts, which is kind of funny because it's, you know, there's a lot of superstition in Chinese culture with good luck and triple sevens and triple eights. You know, you'd never seen number fours in a casino and they both um, had me quite young and I guess weren't equipped like many other parents, I would assume with the emotional financial and stable structure to be able to um, raise me accordingly. Uh, So when I was about 14 months, my father actually reached out to a social worker uh, through the Salvation Army, knowing that they needed help um, taking care of me. So a social worker came forward and agreed to helping my parents out. And pretty much brought me into her own family and took care of me uh, during the week. The plan was every weekend, my biological parents would take me back. So that was the bouncing back and forth. Mind you, this foster family uh, are an incredible, beautiful, supporting family. If I had the power to give them a, a world Samaritan award it would hands down 101% hand to my heart go to this family so I'm ever so grateful for having them so I was lucky enough to be brought up by this foster family but then also bouncing back into the housing commission flight every weekend and really seeing a polarity in how not to bring up a child and as you said Experiencing the complexities of my upbringing, um, I was able to see, you know, it from one spectrum to the other. And as I've grown older, um, I hope to say that I've learnt, um, you know, the boundaries and also the the best ways to to bring up a child. Um, Before my 10th birthday, uh, my biological mum, still a gambling addict at the time, she decided to take me back. Living at Sydney living in Sydney at the time, I then moved to Sydney from then and that is when my whole world got turned upside down. It, from then on it was an incredible incredibly difficult um, journey for me. I would often find myself at home at 2 a.m in the morning on a school night and my mum wouldn't be at home. I'd jump on the phone and ask, mommy, where are you? And I could hear the music playing in the background, which were coming from the poking machines. So that is an example of, you know, one spectrum to the other. I'd gone from having so much structure, stability and support, and also a lot of love from my foster family to essentially not having any any peers or any, uh, well, mum to look up to. From then onwards. So that journey continued. Um, there was a lot of other dysfunctional things, which I won't delve into today because I could be talking for several <laughs> days with you. I know our time is limited. Um, my biological father also came back into the picture and he uh, lived across the road from us. So both my parents were divorced. And a lot of confusion was created between those two because my father was essentially married to another woman, but still spending a lot of time with my mum and also with me. But with with my mum on more kind of I guess affectionate level. So yeah, there was a lot of um, confusing things to witness, and I realised that I was just I was just done. I was. I made the decision from a very young age, from about 15. I said, I'm I can't, I don't want to live on witnessing all of this, these things. So I decided to move out of home from from 16 years old. I was a hustler from a very young age. I managed to finish high school, which scoring myself a part-time job, working at Hague's Chocolates, which I think are the best chocolates in Australia. And I managed to Finish my HSC whilst doing all the partying and lots of alcohol and a very unhealthy diet on the side. So, I guess this upbringing and this journey and the not having the the support and the thorough guidance on how to really be raised as a child and doing it all on my own um, and also facing a lot of um, financial stress and being quite lonely because never really having my biological parents around to look up to, my foster family was still down in Melbourne. It took certainly a physical and an emotional toll on me. And through that, I believe it has, well, sorry, it did create an imbalance in my health, particularly my, my gut. And growing up on a very unhealthy diet of ice cream, chocolates, and you name it, junk food, it certainly created an imbalance in my microbiome and led to something called candida, which is an overgrowth of fungus in the body. And what happens is it makes you crave sugar like a crazy bitch. Yes, that used to be me. (laughs) Um, So that was one of the health conditions I used to suffer from. And candida is also strongly linked to um, digestion, bloating, acne. I used to have really bad acne on my forehead, on my chest, all over my back. I was also about six kilograms heavier than I am now. So there was... Obviously, a disbalance in my body. And throughout the years, I spent so much time researching online on how I could not only just rid my body of this, these crazy sugar cravings, but also create a more regular uh, digestion and also have a more balanced appetite. And after experimenting with a myriad of um, eating lifestyles and cleanses and healing modalities i tried everything under the sun i went vegan i tried paleo i tried going keto i i did a 14 day fast abstaining from all food the only thing i was ingesting was a specifically formulated um, chinese herbal tincture And the whole point of this 14 day program was to reset my body. I even, so I essentially starved myself for 14 days. I do believe in intermittent fasting, but anything beyond beyond three to four days, um, I do have some questions about it. But that's just me. So I tried so many things. And towards the end, I was only experiencing, uh, you know, very temporary relief from the sugar cravings, the bloating and you know more regular digestion and towards the end of it excuse the pun but I was literally fed up with Mm -hmm. just feeling like crap at such a young age so I decided to stop obsessing over it and implemented one simple easy strategy which is just drinking apple cider vinegar every day I didn't change my diet I didn't implement a crazy um exercise routine. The only other thing I implemented alongside that was doing daily infrared saunas. um, And and that's fantastic for helping rid the body of um, deep cellular toxins that are stored in the body, which I believe I would have had from back in my heyday from such an unhealthy upbringing. I did it every day for about 14 days. And I realized that my stomach just didn't feel as bloated my digestion was regular. I didn't wake up with aches and pains, and the biggest thing for me is I stopped craving sugar. Like I would have a block of chocolate in my pantry, it would not last a day—not even not even half a day usually. And I had a block, the same block of chocolate in my pantry for towards the end, from the beginning of the week to towards the end of the two week. And I thought, holy crap, this stuff has actually done something, and it was so natural and so I guess because it's such an easy thing to implement it it's almost something that you're not really thinking of it's just almost happening like almost like omnipresent right and I realized yeah this stuff has actually done something so I went down to the shops searching the fridges for a drink that contained apple cider vinegar and there were no drinks back then we're talking like five and a half years ago kombucha was just you know starting to pop up so I thought okay this is my mission I've got to create a drink containing apple cider vinegar in a good tasting way I know there are so many people out there who would have suffered with maybe one perhaps all of the symptoms that I just mentioned and I want those people to reap the same benefits that I did because it's so goddamn easy and that is, in a nutshell, my journey from my childhood to now to creating my business.
0: Wow. That is an absolutely <laughs> incredible journey. And, you know, as a, as a therapist myself and, and someone who has uh, worked with people who have experienced complex trauma, um, you know, these are the kinds of stories we hear about resilience and about someone going through something super challenging, but it leading them to you know, develop a passion and a purpose um, to to do something really incredible with their lives. And this podcast is really about reaching out and having conversations with people who found something therapeutic and beneficial for themselves and are now dedicating their their life to helping others. And so I think it's such an incredible thing that you're doing um, on so many levels and you know i know leading up to this podcast recording we had a conversation that i thought was going to be only about gut health um and we ended up getting super deep (laughs) um and actually talking about the processes we go through in in our creation and and in our gift that we're going to share with the world and and how that links to you know parts of self-doubt as well as, you know, parts of self-inflation and ego and, and really coming back to finding balance. Um, So I want to ask you about how you see, um, you know, the, the imbalances in the body and the imbalances in in our life and how that's reflected. Cause from a, from a trauma perspective, um, you know, we look at how trauma stores itself in our body and, and it can wreak havoc on, on our digestion and on, on the way we, we function. So how do you feel that the body and, you know, the, the psychological mind are are interlinked? For sure. Uh, this is something that
1: I have learned a lot um, through having the advantage of being able to face um, certain challenging experiences from when I was a child, not having the, um, parental support and guidance that I would see as being ideal right one of the biggest things and I think a lot of other people and I face this myself is just making the choice on how you allow whatever happens in your life to dictate your life and I only like to talk about my story um not with the intention to shine a spotlight on me or seeing myself as this poor little Caroline who didn't have her parents that were there, but really as a story that I hope to empower others who may have gone through trauma, who may have not had the support structure that they would have wanted from their parents, who may have been abused or bullied as a kid, and using that to only empower them to then say, hold on, I've been through this, and I'm actually more equipped. I have more experiences on my belt. And when it comes to that day when you want to create something, a business, you want to um, do a huge presentation to a crowd of, you know, mass audience, or if you wanted to um, bring more innovation to the world for the good, then that takes a lot of resilience and, and being brave and courage. And I think that if you make the choice on leveraging on your previous challenges, including trauma, then you, look, you use that with pride and you make the decision to keep putting one step ahead of each other, as opposed to allowing those challenges to actually hold you back and create limitations in your mind where you're not allowing yourself to grow and expand
0: in wherever you want to get yourself. So, You went through this really challenging time during your teens. At what point did you decide that you were going to really um, find healing and and do that inner work? It started
1: from when I was 15 years old. I mean, that's when I made the decision to really start researching on being a young girl going to high school, going through puberty, and having serious acne, it really takes a toll on your self-esteem, right? And I tried all these different diets. So having, having a you know, background of being Chinese, I knew that there's, a, there's a, this weird-looking, um, prickly-looking melon called bitter melon. And what that supposedly does is it rids the body of excess heat, so if you're into, you know, ch- traditional Chinese herbal medicine, then heat um is one of the leading causes to inflammation in the body and acne is a you know result of inflammation. So I really started the journey from there. And I remember um being at a, a mate's house um around that time and literally gulping down liters after liter of water to supposedly flush my body out. Um and avoiding all junk food and anything that was fried anything that came from a packet that's when i really started and this journey continued on until i was 2023 20, which is when i launched Appalachia so yeah that there were so many modalities which i implemented like i said before the fasting the um the the going the gluten free um and uh, I think actually because I was so obsessed with wanting to not only look and feel better but just know that I, my my body was operating at its optimum level at such a young age, I be, it became a real obsession of mine and I obsessed over it to the point where I stopped going out because you know going out meant going out with your friends meant being able to have a pizza or drink some wine with your girlfriends and you know having fun so essentially took up a lot of my youth like worrying about making myself better and this obsession with making myself better i guess took took away a bit of that you know fun and freedom that a lot of the other kids back in that day were enjoying
0: Mm. i think um yeah and i think we all go through go through that journey, especially um as teenagers, I think it's really common to, you know, looking for that identity and that belonging alongside, you know, really trying to figure out what's right for us, what's right for our bodies, what's right for our minds, and and that balance can can often be hard, even as an adult, you know, to to continue to, to change and evolve. Um, but our body does the most amazing thing by Yeah, absolutely. Us you know, and, and I think that that's something that I've really learned is, and yeah, is that our bodies do communicate. I know that when, uh, you know, I'm going through a hard time or, you know, I'm not dealing with some sort of, uh, grief or loss or emotion, it'll either show up in a tightness in my chest or in my gut and my digestion being off balance, um, and realizing, okay, cool. My body's now telling me, hang on. Okay. Like, you need to listen to me because maybe on you know a psychological level or on a subconscious level you're ignoring the kind of things that are going on. And so, I think it's pretty incredible that you were super tuned in to to your body and what you needed. Um, that's really amazing.
1: Yeah, I was I was definitely really tuned in, and I like I'm look I'm so goddamn grateful to have gone through the journey from, you know, when I was fostered to into my teens to then moving out of home just before my 16th birthday. And I I guess there's, because I always wish that my biological parents were wealthy. I always wish that they were the, you know, it's almost like keeping up with the Joneses. I wish they were those Idealistic parents that were going to raise me, but they weren't. They were the complete opposite. My, like, mum had no absolute clue what she was doing, and there was barely fr- um, food in the fridge. And she would have, you know, multiple randoms come into the house, and I just think, what the fuck's going on? So, it it really drove me to wanting to become not only independent, but becoming successful in my own right, so I could just get the fuck out of there and start fending for my for myself. Um, as soon as I could, hence the reason why I moved out so early. Um, but going back to what you are saying before, this you know seeking this like sense of identity. I think my journey led me through the pains and also the um, the the health conditions I faced to then creating my drink. Right, if I didn't go through my upbringing, I don't think I would have faced those conditions to then drive me to where I am today. And that has actually brought so much purpose in my life i a lot of people say that my identity is my is my brand because i live and breathe it i cry about apple cider vinegar i try and get everyone like my neighbor's dog to bloody start drinking you know so my identity is very very so aligned and also lives through my brand and the purpose of why i'm doing it is to share the goodness that I reaped from it with as many people as possible. So the journey and my identity really started from, from my teens when I realized, you know what, I'm done. I'm sick of feeling this way. I need to make change. And through that change, I've now been able to
0: hopefully bring positive changes to other people. So when we talk about, um, identity and, you know, uh, identity living through the, the creations that we have. And I can really relate to that in terms of, you know, doing my poetry book and publishing my poetry book and then through the podcast. And also, I guess, through studying, you know, a lot of my identity is wrapped up in what I do, you know, I'm a therapist. Um, And I think we, we both really found it really synchronistic that we decided to do this podcast now after you know, taking quite a long break. And for me, um, you know, what we spoke about earlier was finding that I was being challenged during this time of COVID, having taken off six months from being a therapist and taking off six months from doing the podcast and um, really kind of realizing that a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up in what I did. Um, And now who am I? when I peel back those layers and I'm not doing those things, where do I fit? (laughs) How is my self-worth? And you really related to that. So um, maybe you can speak to your journey. um, Yeah. With, with Appalachia and, and yeah, your little um, fight with your ego. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that
1: goddamn E word. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, it's, we're certainly not alone. Hey, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people during this time, whilst martial law is being implemented in the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. we've had a lot of freedom taken, taken off us and, you know, businesses, of business structures and, and routine and sales and everything else that, you know, was usually part of the norm has been taken away from us. And like you and myself, Um, we certainly identified with what we did um, through our creations, through our work. And the battle with the ego, I think, came to its peak during COVID, but it really started about a year and a half ago. Um, And I guess this probably links back to when I was you know, a child, you know, trying to seek that identity, trying to really make something of myself so I could, you know, um, take care of my myself. It, the I was so driven to just getting Appalachia fucking everywhere. Like, my mission, I want to get ACV into many, many people's throats as possible. So I um, launched into um, a big major, major supermarket chain and it was too early. Long story short, it happened too early. I didn't have the right support. I didn't have investment. I didn't have partners back then. I didn't have a team. But obviously the only thing I had was myself and this ego that was so driven to commercializing this product. And I faced <laughs> the trials and tribulations that left me with several sleepless nights. Um, I, I faced so many logistical nightmares, um, manufacturing faults, um, uh, cartons not being taped on properly, like smashed bottles. Um, yeah, a, a lot of headache that had if I had a team back then I would have been able to manage, but because the ego was so big and powerful back then, it was just telling me, yeah, you gotta do this, go and do this. Make this, make this brand huge. And it actually bit me in the butt really hard in the end. And it cost me not only a lot of money, but it it really um, chewed up a lot of my emotional reserves. And I've done a lot of, you know, reading since then. I know that you have as well. We spoke about Eckhart Tolle very briefly. And the ego wins when you do things like you give up or when you actually succumb to something being too difficult. And I had to really retreat because all of my energy was, was chewed up from stress and the challenges and through the retreating, I went through a very low point of my life because Appalachia wasn't, wasn't running as um, how to say, it wasn't running as it were the year before because the backbone of the the brand is me, right? You know, it's my identity. I started it and because I didn't have myself there completely, you know, standing on two feet with the gusto and the power that I started it with the brand, obviously, you know, goes with me. However, through that time of retreating, taking some time off, meditating, you know, doing your self-care routine journaling. I realized that this is to, to where I want to take the brand. I, this ego thing's got to fucking go in the, you know, in the, back, in the bin. I've got to get help. Okay. I've got to, it's okay to give away a bit of power, um, get a team behind me, working with me so I can actually take this brand forward. However, that's easily said than done, right? You've got to go through the process of finding the right, you know, people to work with. You've got to uh, kind of keep your head afloat at the same time. Um, and also, you know, the ego was still there, just kind of like this little voice like, oh, like you're not doing this, you're not busy enough, you're not making enough sales, you're not, you know, you didn't send that email correctly. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, so all of those, all of those things were kind of happening at the same time and, and it really culminated when COVID kicked in because I was like going through this journey all on my own thinking, like, how, how the hell do I keep Appalachia afloat? How do I, you know, continue, continue on with fulfilling my true purpose at this point in time in my life to being able to help others through ACV. And it took a lot of um, persistence and a lot of patience and a lot of really getting comfortable with, sitting in this place without having the busyness without having you know the purchase orders flying without seeing my bank account go up in fact it was just going down 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 and with that obviously the ego went down 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 right I took a lot of that and it was to the point where I just had to you know what okay Kaz just surrender surrender just, you know, intuitively, you know that this is going to work out in the end. You're putting all of your things into place. You, you're, having the, you're having meetings with the right people. You're, you're being very clear with how much, how much you want to not give up, but how, how, how much you're willing to, I guess, how much power you're willing to sacrifice of your company to other people to actually allow it to grow. And, and I just came to that point. So um, during this time of of COVID, I probably came to a really low point of my own self-esteem because I I felt like similar to when I was a kid, you know, I, I didn't really have anything in front of me to, you know, really look forward to, but okay, it's just me again it's only you that can make it work it's not not your parents it's it's nothing else so it was almost like kind of like working from the ground back up again during covid and you know it's looking back on it now like even though we're still in covid but i've managed to implement a lot of you know exciting things for the company looking back on it now it's it's just another one of those weapons that i've added to my belt to equip me for the next i'm not going to say pandemic but the next you know challenge that Faces me, I'm going to be like, okay, I've been here before. Bring it on, bitches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think it's an incredible journey that that we go through when we decide to step out and really give something back to the world because we live in a world where. And I don't think that the ego is evil. I think that you can either have a healthy relationship with it or an unhealthy relationship with it. And and it really depends on on where you're at in your life. And that's something that's a skill and you can really develop. Um, But yeah, there is those moments or those little voices of self-doubt or the ones that, you know, come through when you're at your lowest. And it's almost like they want you to give up. It's that little voice that's saying, well, you can't do it. You can't do it. Or, you know, keep going, push through it even though really what you need in that moment is to stop and reconnect with yourself and say like, okay, hang on a second. I need to come back to why I'm doing this. Like, is it making me happy anymore? Is the why really in alignment with what's happening or have I gone, you know, off track? And it can be really hard when we're starting out to, to come back to those voices or those practices that remind us of, of why we're doing it. And, and supporting ourselves and I think that the beautiful thing that you that I find that you do really well is you've always got your own back even if you go off track a little bit you know it takes some time but you've got your own back and this is something we all learn in our lives is you know in the end our experiences shape us um, but we have the choice we have the choice to pursue whatever we want to in our lives with the resources that we have and so you know, trying to come back to making choices that are in alignment with who we, who we really are deep down and what we really want. And when you're stripped away of the money or, you know, what success looks like to society and how we're conditioned to see success, you know, what is success truly to you? Because you might have heaps of money in your bank account, but be uber stressed and exhausted and depleted and unhappy. So how do you find a balance? Um, What do you feel like now after going through that success is to you?
1: Success to me is being able to share stories with my audience and being able to see those people reap the same benefits from my creation. And I'm not just talking reap you know, better digestion and, you know, being able to be more regular on the toilet. But the, our our health and the way our body functions, like you were saying before, our body does incredible things. It knows something almost on a very spiritual level. It just has such a powerful positive domino effect on their life across so many different facets. So being able to, um, you know, provide this very simple tool to others through a good tasting, uh, for now would be a drink, you know, future would be many, many, other products. Being able to see that to me is, is true success alongside having a well-structured team, um, supporting me along my journey and, and getting it out there to more people, um, around the world and having financial flexibility and freedom. Um, so those things would be aligned with my, you know, success around my career. Um, a very personal level would be continuing to, to grow uh, the powerful connections I, I share with my girlfriends and being able to not only witness when they're in a really good place, but also being the person that you know can actually help bring that person out into the light again if they're going to a dark place, I think that's that's a really empowering thing to to have, and that's that's also one thing that dictates whether how strong your connection is with you know someone, or it's a partner, a parent, or a friend. Um, so that to me is another form of success. So yeah, really strong connections with my girlfriends, and having the the three things I mentioned with my with
0: my career. Mm. The the common um, the commonality between personal and professional is um, support, you know, for you and, and, and really having, um, yeah, that connection and, and support, how important it is it to surround yourself with people that lift you up and that you trust and that can really hold a deep space for you? Yeah, it's, it's really important because
1: I, I didn't have that, you know, from the age of 10, and I didn't really have that until four years ago, just under. So I'm 31 now. So that's you know that's a big big chunk of my life that I didn't have that. So it's really important to me. Uh, however, the the other thing is, what's more important is like you mentioned, I've always had my own back. I had no I had no other choice when I was a kid. So that's that's another really deep personal identification with success is just knowing that no matter how many, you know, daggers you have thrown at you, always just go back onto yourself because we've come onto this planet on our own and we're leaving on our own. Right. So having the, you know, the the strong support network around me is, is really, really empowering. Um, But if you don't have your own back, you can have all the bloody support, you know, you can have a whole bloody army around you and it still wouldn't matter. You've got to have your own back first.
0: What are some practices or, um, some experiences you've had, uh, that promote that self-connection with yourself? Yeah. I'd love to share it with the listeners.
1: Actually. Meditation is, is my go-to, um, uh, it's been a practice I've been doing for the last uh, three and a half years now. And the I, I I do two types of meditation. So I usually start with uh, doing a protection and cleansing field around me and imagining, you know, powerful light, and recharging all of my chakras. It's very spiritual. <laughs> and through this meditation... Uh, i am really going to another plane and connecting with it's uh, the best way to, to to describe it would be connecting with the higher self it's the true like essence and spirit that's really you know driving me here on this plane i hope that makes sense
0: definitely makes sense
1: and i follow that Meditation with doing a visualization of where and what I want to be doing, and that visualization is, is a really powerful tool to not only keep the the talk and the chatter in check but but also just just keep this it's almost like a directory of where you're going in this life you know you, you, you really are the creator of your own story like you create your own future, you know, you make your own decisions. So having that visualization practice is really a way of amping, amplifying the colors in of the picture of the journey that you want to create for yourself. And when you do that on a daily basis, then it just becomes a more clearer and
0: powerful picture that you're driven by. That's incredible. I really relate to that. I think meditation... Um, and my yoga practice has definitely been something that brings me back to my body and brings me back to, you know, a a space that's, yeah, I guess not detached from current reality, but actually more just connected to something inside some internal, um, power or, you know, um, higher self. And so yeah, I really, I really relate to that. And that's definitely been something that I um, that I really value. And I think that, you know, when we talk about our passion and our purpose and what we want to put out into the world as a therapist, I want to be able to um, create access to these kinds of self-care rituals or therapeutic um, techniques that, you know, for someone who can't actually afford to go to therapy every week or, you know, for the next couple of years, um, I'm actually currently working on a um, a, a book for um, for anyone to access that can develop these kind of self care techniques. So that's coming soon. Lovely. That's what COVID me. So <laughs> that'll be really exciting. But yeah, meditation has definitely been been something incredible. I found um, for anyone interested in getting getting started, I found that there's a couple of apps that are really helpful. Um, about ten years ago, when I started. Uh, One giant mind was an amazing app and it gives you like 12 days um, where you can actually be guided through. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, Johnny Pollard does that. Um, And then Sam Harris's app I'm currently using uh, called waking up. Um, And it's, it's awesome. It's it's also like 28 days of, of guided meditation and he has all these other tutorials and lessons and podcast conversations. So um, that's, that's really uh, beneficial as well.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, the, the other thing I love about meditation is it's, it's part of my practice every morning and most nights, I have to admit, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a yogi master that does it every morning and night, strict 30 minutes every single time. Um, but it's also a tool that I resort to when that, that ego <laughs> starts creeping back in. And it's like telling you, Caroline, you can't do this, Caroline, you're not good enough, Caroline, you know, you, you didn't do this. You could have done that better or, you know, just, just that self-berating talk. And sometimes it would actually become not debilitating, but it, it really kind of triggers some stress. And and I get this thing and my girlfriends know about this, but I get this pain and pressure that comes to the the left middle eyebrow and when that starts creeping in, that's also another trigger for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Like get back into, into my meditation. So the, the, the meditation also has, has helped keep the ego in check. And also when the ego is in check, you make better decisions in life and business.
0: Yes, that's so true. And I, I also think yeah. it's about, you know, what voice is louder, because we have different voices mm-hmm. that exist within us. And you can have that really self berating voice that's really loud, and it gets louder and louder and louder, the longer you allow it. Um, and this is why I say yeah. the ego isn't bad. It's almost like it's calling your truth voice, or that softer voice, that voice we hear in meditation, or, you know, to come out, you know, it's like a challenge, you know, like, oh, can you meet me here? And If you are connected and you're you're connected in your daily practices, then it becomes much easier to say like, "Thanks for showing up and reminding me that I actually have another voice here." And absolutely,
1: you know, yeah, no, hundred percent. It can drive so much productivity. It (laughs) it does drive growth in in a sense. Uh, So, really being able to gauge a healthy amount, yeah, where it only drives positivity and you know keeping that one step ahead or one foot forward. That's yeah, it's fantastic. Uh and on the other side, it can actually drive you down to the ground. So yes, I think the mission for everyone on this planet is to be able to gauge, you know, their ego, you know, which side is it on today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and finding finding balance and also, yeah, yeah. learning to be kind to ourselves because I think that's that's definitely been and is my hardest journey, I think is is I have endless amounts of compassion um, for everyone outside of myself. And then when it comes to myself and the things that, you know, I do, I, I'm really hard on myself and I hear my partner tell me this all the time. Like I taught myself how to cook during during this time of being home (laughs) and working from home, and so I've been like cooking up a storm, which is awesome. But the other night I was watching a Jamie Oliver video, and I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna." We've gone like vegetarian during the week, um, gut health stuff, and whatnot. And so being a vegetarian now is really—it's actually just improved my gut health. But I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to cook new things because there's only so many ways you can have roast vegetables, right? Like I need to be able to do something (laughs) else. So I'm cooking up this Jamie Oliver pie and I'm watching his YouTube video and he's like, cool. And you just grate the zucchini and then you put the, you know, asparagus in and then you just crack the eggs and you mix it all up. And then you just like basically put it in the oven. And I was like, okay, cool. Awesome. I got it. 10 minute prep. Awesome. Put it in the oven. 40 minutes goes by. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. And then I take it out and I open it and it's just like a big watery mush. <laughs> and I sat there for like a good half an hour just being like, I can't believe it. Like I just like, you know, spend so long doing this and I can't even cork Like I should just give up. Like there's that voice again coming up. Oh. <laughs> like, that's well, just like a really nasty voice. Or I could be like, yeah. hang on a second, you really tried you know, Jamie Oliver really didn't tell you that, you know, you need to squeeze the zucchinis and get all the water out before you put it in the oven you know, <laughs> and really allowing myself to just like, you know what, it wasn't perfect, but that's okay. You know, that's a growing point. That's a, cha- you know, a changing point. It's a, you know, a tipping point to, to turn in a different direction and maybe try better next time, but also who cares? Like, it's not a big deal. You know, I think we, we have this I, fear of failure <laughs> it seems so much yes. bigger than when it really happens.
1: Definitely in self-sabotage. Yes. Yeah.
0: What ways <laughs> do you self-sabotage?
1: Oh gosh. It all comes back to a sense of not being enough, right? Not being, not being good enough. And i guess a self a self sabotage technique that would attempt to creep up would be for example if i'm if i'm creating a presentation you know to someone um, i I would never be satisfied with the amount of work I put into it. I'd never be content with the the perfection of the illustrations I've, I've used. I would never be, you know, totally comfortable and just, you know, be able to put it to rest, put it to sleep and just let go. Um, so doing something like a presentation. Um, I I recall, so this is another thing that I eventuated doing during COVID was because I I didn't have, you know, that, Sense of success and like busy and like businesswoman with Appalachia, I actually resorted to um, launching a supplements brand with with um, a, an acquaintance, now a friend of mine. And his his expertise was in digital marketing. Mine is in creation and new product development, and you know just being a hustler. And I remember going through our digital marketing plan and like some some social media stuff. And he he laid out the framework because that's what his expertise is, right? and I just remember we we, we spent a half day going through the strategy and like at the end I was like okay and then what else this is not going to be enough and then freaking out about oh my god we're not doing enough work the brand's going to fail like it's it's going to be a floop and like just no like and like really creating this story in my mind that we are not good enough and this is not going to work and then that failing. And then I guess it didn't really eventuate to self-sabotage because it wasn't, you know, a failure in the end, but the self-sabotage in the sense where it really allowed myself to become absorbed by it and then not really be able to enjoy the whole process and the journey of it.
0: Mm, I, it's funny. I, I really relate to, to that. Not the self-sabotage is not finding playfulness in, in the things that we do and finding joy in the things yes. that we do, because they really like, they they're born out of a joy for something, right? Your Appalachia is right. born out of a joy for, you know, finding something that really worked for you and having this passion and this excitement. And I think where most yeah. entrepreneurs and um, you know, people that are, that are just starting out, go, go wrong. And f- I find this something quite common is that we lose the joy in it. We lose that excitement and that playfulness with, with the why of why we created it.
1: Yes. It's, it's such a common, common thing that I see. And I even saw it, you know, I experienced it myself. Tiger is, you know, losing that joy and (sighs) look, end of the day, like entrepreneurship is tough. It is a tough gig. It is lonely. You will not sleep properly. You will have to hustle really hard. You will. Well, most, most of them, will have to live hand to mouth. I lived hand to mouth for the first two years of my, you know, starting my company and it is tough. So I think a lot of people go into entrepreneurship thinking that it's this fly life where you get all this publicity and, you know, having this sense of pride. And I guess that's also part of ego. I created this and I'm doing this, but you know, you see a lot of people who are doing these things, but have no why, right? They're doing just driven by ego. And, but it, 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 it really is just being able to accept that the journey will be difficult. And once you're able to accept that, then you can very easily kind of snap back out of that oh, self-sabotage and then hold on a second. This is a journey. It's like meant to be tough and also yeah. fun. <laughs>
0: exactly exactly and i think we are we're we're a culture obsessed with outcome um and you know (laughs) where we're heading where we're heading where we're heading and i think the one thing that i i've realized during this time of covid is is like you can't plan anything like there's no outcome now there's no no one knows when you know this is gonna end as such there might not be an ending but just a new adaptation to life and how we live our life and you know I, i definitely feel very lucky um you know in a lot of aspects where I live in a country that's, you know, quite supportive of, you know, people that aren't able to get jobs and whatnot. So the resources are there, but it really is teaching me, you know, how to just be playful in the journey of whatever comes along and wherever we're going to end up and, and enjoy that more than enjoying what's going to be the outcome. Like we could have sat through this whole podcast and been like, okay, where's it going to end up? Where's it going to end up? But we wouldn't have had fun. And I'm, I'm so happy to like, be practicing this, you know, mindfulness and this presence of just being here and enjoying it for whatever it is. It's, it's, it's a really empowering thing. And
1: I think that was one of the things that really bit me in the bum tiger was having these really big, hairy audacious goals and aspirations of, you know, my brand and being able to launch it into this major super chain supermarket. And that, that is I was attached to that outcome. And when you're attached to anything, and obviously it's easier said than done, right? But I placed a lot of energy and allowed myself to be so, you know, attached to this one outcome that it actually became the detriment of me. And what happened in the end? I experienced burnout. I was stressed. I completely lost, you know, the luster and the the romanticism about, you know, running this brand. It, that All of that, Got taken off me because i allowed it to because i was so attached to this outcome and when things didn't go right that's when you know this was as if like this huge cloud was just over this caroline and yeah the fun was taken away so it's it's really important to to not be so attached to an outcome because not everything is in our control right Mm. just like now
0: it's true what Mm. is in our control though is how we treat our body and you know our gut health and so i'm really excited yes. to try appalachia finally
1: <laughs> where, Yay.
0: where and when can people expect to be able to access it and all that jazz?
1: so if you if you live in queensland victoria or new south wales you'll be able to find it at your local woolworths
0: awesome
1: yes and it will be launching in october
0: Oh, that's so exciting. And it's interesting (laughs) that you, you know, you let go of the attachment to what, you know, this brand was going to look like and what it should be like. And now, you know, a couple of years on and, and I feel like things are really flowing for you and people are going to be able to finally get to experience it in the way that you had intended it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So what are you most grateful for at the moment? Oh, one thing? Oh, okay. oh you can could, you could pick a few. There's no there's no rules here.
1: I'm grateful for for having my story. And like I was saying before, I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't be here talking to you, Tiger. If I didn't have that story to share. And having that story to share means having actually gone through it physically, emotionally you know, as a, as a child to, you know, throughout my teens. So I'm so goddamn grateful to have gone through all of the challenges, the loneliness, the dysfunction and the experiences that I I wouldn't actually wish upon any other person. Um, I'm so grateful for those because it it has driven me to where I am today. It has driven me through suffering gut, and health issues to creating my brand. And it has driven me here today to be able to give me purpose in being of service to my community and helping share with them something that is so simple to help with their health and not only that, but also with their lifestyle.
0: Well, I think you're awesome. I, you know, (laughs) I keep, I used to tell all my clients, you know, your story, own it own it and be proud of it because no matter how hard it's been you know it really is truly a testament to who you are today and how you know incredible you are and so I I hope that you know there are some people out there who really you know are going through a tough time or have been through a tough time and they find inspiration from you because I definitely have I think you're Feel empowered, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, awesome. So, how can people follow you if they want to? Um, if they want to keep following your journey.
1: Yep. Um, you like can it? look up look me up on Instagram. So, it's Appalachia, A double P L E, L A C H I A, Appalachia, and I've got a personal Instagram which is Chang Chilla. Uh, I've spent a lot of time off social media. You and I have, you know, we share the same thing about social media. It's very toxic. Um, So I will be hopping on there on a more regular basis um, come summer. So you can find me on those two handles.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining this incredible journey and episode. I feel so grateful to have had you on. And um, some more beautiful body healing Mind healing stuff. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.